Just there. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord. Proverbs chapter 19. I love to hear our young people sing, don't you? It just thrills my soul. It's so encouraging and a beautiful song. Thank you, young people. And um, all the school staff, thank you. Youth staff, church, youth staff, all of you, thank you for investing in our young people, moms and dads, most of all. Amen. Thank you for bringing your kids up in church. Praise the Lord. Proverbs chapter 19, we're starting a new chapter in Proverbs. And and I'm excited if you're new to the Bible studies here on Wednesday night for all for a few months anyway, or several months or anyway, might be longer than that. We've been studying through the book of Proverbs and verse by verse and looking at each verse. Most of the verses, we'll pick a one little statement to try to encapsulate the truths of that uh, scripture. And sometimes we combine a few together. And uh, But uh, I hope you uh, write the statements down at least and uh, catalog these things as we go through the scriptures tonight. Uh, chapter 19, we're going to pray and jump right back into our Bible study. Heavenly Father, please, again, I ask for the fullness of your spirit to speak your truth. Lord, uh, uh, I'm, just, I'm just a voice. It's all I am. Just a mouthpiece. But you, it's your word we study tonight. And I, I ask you to speak through me. Uh, and I pray that uh, you'll give us wisdom to hear and understand and apply what we learn as we go through this precious book of wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. The book of Proverbs is the wisdom book. It was a collection of Proverbs by King Solomon given to his son. Most of them were written by Solomon. Uh, Not all of them, but he collected them and put them into a book, gave them to his son who would be the next king. And uh, it is the young man's book. It's a book of wisdom. And young people ought to study the book of Proverbs. And we all need the book of Proverbs. Amen. Young or old alike, we need the book of Proverbs. But it is the young man's book. And so there's lessons uh, here, especially for our youth. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 19, verse number 1, Better is the poor that walketh in his integrity than he that is perverse in his lips and is a fool. Better is the poor that walketh in his integrity. Integrity is your character who you are, what you stand for. Better is the poor. So in other words, here is, it's better to have character, right? Integrity. Even if it means being poor, if it keeps you poor, than it is to have perverse lips and be a fool. So here's a simple statement. Don't compromise your integrity. Young people, don't compromise your your integrity. It is better to be a poor man with character than a man who can be bought. Stephen was uh, one of the first deacons, Acts chapter number uh, six, and there's a Bible word, suborned, S-U-B-O-R-N-E-D, which means bribed, And to get rid of Stephen, they had to bribe men to lie about him. And that's what they did. They paid men to lie about Stephen so they would have an excuse to stone him. That's how Naboth got killed. Ahab wanted Naboth's vineyard in the Old Testament in the the Kings. 
and uh, Jezebel concocted it. They made it look like it was legit, just like so many of the wicked, vile, unjust things that are happened. They do, today, they try to their best to make it look legitimate. They did it through the court system, so to speak. That's the way we would call it that way. In Jezebel's day, and they brought false witnesses, paid them off, and Naboth got executed over liars. Now, young people, listen to me. There's going to be opportunities for you to do something illegitimate that you think is going to benefit you, but you listen to me. Don't you compromise your integrity. If you get in a bad place financially, one of the sweetest little families in our church, sweetest little families, and uh, it's got saved, growing in the Lord, two little precious, precious little daughters. And he had got saved out of rough past, selling dope and all that. And, uh, and was fa- they were faithful, they were common, they were living for the Lord. And he got in a bad, listen young people, listen, he got in a bad spot financially. And he said, I'll just do it, I'll do it one more time. And he did it one more time. And he got caught. Uh, he got sent back to his home country. I visited him in his home country. I went and saw him. Broken hearted, lost his wife, lost his kids, lost his church family. And uh, he still has family in our church. Now listen, listen, there, there's no, listen, young people, there is no price big enough that's worth you being crooked or dishonest or doing something illegal it's not worth it. Don't sell your soul. Don't, uh, 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 don't uh, be a person who cannot be bought. Uh, here's what dishonest people say. Well, everybody's got a price. Dishonest people say that. Insinuating that if you offer something big enough, everybody will compromise their integrity. But let me tell you something. Not everybody can be bought. And you be one of those young people say, I can't be bought. There's nothing big enough you could entice me with to make me do something untoward, out of the way, dishonest, immoral. I won't do it. Don't sell out. Be a man, a young lady, a young man of integrity, of character, of principle, who will not sell your integrity for any amount of money. I read a little story. And uh, a phone rang. And uh, uh, a question came into the business. And the boss told his subordinate, he said, just tell him this. Just shade the truth a little bit. Just tell him this. And the employee said, I can't do it. He said, tell him that. He said, sir, you do realize that if I won't lie to our customers, I won't lie to you. And the boss calmed down. <laughs> Amen. That's, that's, that's grievously lacking in our country anymore. Matthew 26, 59 says... Now the chief priests and elders, this is the religious crowd, and elders and all the council, that's the, uh, throw in some politicians in there with them, sought false witnesses against Jesus. They went looking for people who would lie about the Lord Jesus Christ so they could put him to death, Matthew 26, 59. And by the way, it was, you know, the Bible tells us, they, they, their false witnesses wouldn't tell the same lie. It was so ridiculous. And it was a, it was a kangaroo court. It was so ridiculous. They, they, couldn't get, they couldn't get anybody to lie the same. <laughs> they didn't rehearse enough before they got before this 
suppose court. Jesus' trial was completely illegal. Mark 14, 1, John eleven fifty. they determined that he was guilty even before the trial began. Uh, he, was, he was not innocent until proven guilty. He was guilty, and, and they were looking for accusations against him. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Um, Matthew 26, 59, they looked for false witnesses against him. Luke 22, 67 through 71, he was allowed no defense. He was allowed no answer to his accusers. Mark 14, 53 to 65, in chapter 15, verse 1, against their own laws, the trial was at night which was against their own laws. And then number five, Mark 14, 53 to 65, they tried the case in the high priest's home instead of at the council. The Sanhedrin council would be like our Supreme Court, uh, if you will. And uh, they, did it, they did it in a basement rather than, uh, rather than the courthouse. Everything about Jesus' trial from, a, from, from a, uh, a, a judicial standpoint was illegitimate. Everything. Judas. His price was 30 pieces of silver. He didn't just throw away his integrity. He threw away his life. Um, Listen to John 12. I read this uh, last week or so. The Bible says, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believed on him. Talking about believing on Christ. Listen to it. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. They believed. They say, I, I believe he is the Christ. But they wouldn't come out publicly. Why? Listen to it. Lest they should be put out of the synagogue because you would be excommunicated, so to speak, from that religious crowd. Verse 43. Here's the explanation. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Young man, listen to me. Uh, your buddy says, come on, man, keep your mouth shut. You'll get us all in trouble. Boys, don't sell your integrity for a little acceptance from a misbehaving crowd. That's a cheap price. You're awful cheap. If somebody could put a little pressure on you, say, come on, man, you know, come on, man, be cool, man. Don't rat us out, come on, man. If that's what, that's your price, you're dirt cheap, fella. You're dirt cheap. You, 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 your integrity ain't worth pennies. A little acceptance. By the way, from the same crowd, they'll throw you under the bus that quick if they need to. Uh, I was thinking about this story and I went and looked it up and... Uh, we're thinking about Lester Roloff. And when, when uh, Dr. Howes was in his 20s still when he took Miller Road Baptist Church in Texas years ago. It was just a small church, and he was just a young preacher. He pastored a couple of churches. And, uh, but, but his father died, and he got hungry for the power of God, and literally he was baptized the Holy Ghost, and Miller Road Baptist Church just exploded. And, um, and so he was in Southern Baptist Convention, and he just became sort of like the fair-haired boy of the convention. He was preaching at big convention meetings, the colleges, universities, and he's just like in his late 20s, 30 years old, and very, very popular. But he started hanging around with Lester Roloff. And Lester Roloff was on the bad boy list of the Southern Baptist Convention because Lester Roloff was afraid to say anything, and Lester Roloff was on the air preaching against the leadership of the Southern Baptist Convention for leasing a building that the convention owned to a liquor store. He called them out on it. And they were ticked at him. And, uh, 
And they started having John Rice in, and they didn't like him either. And Lee Robertson, they didn't like him either. These were independent guys. And they didn't bow to the denominational machine. And so they 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 said, we have, we're having a meeting. And they went to a, like a cafeteria, a restaurant. And uh, and the big wigs of the convention came. And here's this, I think he was like 30 years old at the time, this young man, and all these older men, you know. And he was the fair-haired kid of the, of the convention. And they said, well, we'll talk to you about something. He said, you know, you got a full schedule. You're preaching over this university. You're preaching here and there and everything. You're going to do the Sunday school convention this year. We're so glad about that. He said, well, we just want to address one thing. And they said, you will have to start, stop running with Lester Roloff, John Rice, and Lee Robertson. And they leaned on him, and they put the pressure on him, and he took his, he took his hand. He said, I cannot be bought. Slapping coffee, splashed. And they said, they looked at him, they said, we will ruin you, and you will never have a place to preach again. And he stood up, that 30-year-old man stood up and said, I'm not for sale. Now, all he ever knew was Southern Baptist. That's all he ever knew. That's where all of his meetings were. That's where his friends, his fellowship was. He went back to his office. And immediately, by the time he got back to his office, the phone was ringing in the office, cancellations. Those men must have immediately got on the phone and started calling this year. You cancel, you cancel, and you cancel. And they canceled him, and, and literally his, his calendar was cleared. Not long after that, a day or so after that, word got around Texas, of course, and Lester Olive called him on the phone. Jack, heard you got kicked out of the convention. Welcome to the fraternity of the free. <laughs> Verse 2. The Bible says also that the soul be without knowledge. It is not good. And he that hasteth with his feet sinneth. Also that the soul be without knowledge. Young people, let me impress something on your heart. I'm going to give you a statement here. Actually, three words. You have here in this country and in this place, in this time of history, you have access to knowledge. You have the opportunity to learn. And, and let me just say, I'm not trying to shame you or scold you, but it, it is a, it is a, it's a grievous thing that, that, you, <laughs> that you don't know how to appreciate it. I know you're young. I know you're mature. But there are people around the world who love to have the opportunity to gain knowledge like you have access to. We had, uh, we had, I'm going to say this. We had uh, Representative Pat Hurley at school today, and we honored her and gave her a plaque and some flowers and a little goodie basket and so forth, and I've talked about her accomplishments. I told Mr. Cook, I said, Mr. Cook, I said, I, I want her to receive the utmost respect and we talked about it. Now, the truth is this. I wanted the whole high school to hear Representative Hurley. But we settled on the 11th, 12th grade. Would you like to know why? Because some of you young men in here, are you listening to the pastor tonight? Some of you sitting in this room right now. I did not want your knuckleheadedness 
knuckleheadedness, disrespecting someone who served our community and our state faithfully for 16 years. I didn't want it. That's why you didn't go. Now, it's a shame we had to do that. And parents, that's on us as leadership and, and, and on us, parents, you, you and I. Uh, but, but kids, listen to me. Listen, you, you folks, you kids that gripe about school, knock it off. Knock it off. You have a school. You have an opportunity to be educated. Are you going to gripe and claim, uh, complain about an education? Would you want to be ignorant the rest of your life? You don't want somebody to help you learn? These teachers bend over backwards. You ought to treat them every single day with the utmost respect. The Bible says the soul without knowledge, that is not good. And then he ties this in. He said that, and he that hasteth with his feet sinneth. Look, here's what you want. You're going to mess up big time. You want to run off into the next thing because you think it's going to be great. But what you need to do is take advantage of the opportunities God has given you. Get the knowledge you, you need and then move your little feet. Let me give you three words. Stop, period. Learn, period. Step. Stop, learn, step. Amen. Look, if, if, you, if, you, if you launch into something, you don't know what you're doing, you're going you're gonna to make a mess. <laughs> know your stuff is what the wise man is saying. Can, that little phrase, hasteth, was it? you know why some people don't, not, not everybody, but you know why some people don't seek advice? Because they don't want to know. By the way, counsel. Let me help you with something. Counsel means advice. Counsel doesn't mean you go pay somebody $175 an hour to sit in a room and talk about your problems for three hours and then walk out and do nothing about it. That's not Bible counsel. That's miserable. Counsel just simply means advice. Now, there's a lot of good advice in this book. By the way, we're having counsel tonight. We're having, this is a counseling session. This is a group therapy tonight. Amen. We have a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Amen. And if you listen to good advice that comes through these messages and you do the Sunday school hour, you know what? You'll, you'll get it. You, you, you can save about 175 bucks an hour. But anyway, uh, some folks are in a hurry. You know why? Because they're up to no good. The Bible said that he hasteth with his feet. Sin it. Uh, the guy says, no, we've got to close the deal now. We've got to close the deal now. We've got we to close it now. You better watch out for that. By the way, young people, uh, any big decision, you ought to sleep on it. Any big decision. When I pulled into Ashboro uh, on the last day of September 1995, and we came across, we came at 64, and we came across where 64 crosses over 220. I don't know how to explain it. Ooh, it gets, with me. it gets away from me. But God, the Holy Spirit, impressed my heart. This is where you're going to spend your life. And we both felt it. I hadn't, nothing. I hadn't seen the church yet. I hadn't met anybody. I just... But I already knew it. And uh, we, 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 we got, had the address, and we, we, got a, we got a map. That's a piece of paper with a bunch of lines on it. <laughs> it's, we got a map. We went and found 
105 East Beasley Street, drove up here and looked at the church building and everything, went back to the hotel. And uh, the next morning, Brother Steve met us, uh, uh, Hogan met us at the uh, hotel so we could follow him to the church. You don't know how to get there. Uh, but uh, the church voted that very night, that very night, 100%. We believe God wants you to be our pastor. And I said, thank you. Let me sleep on it. And uh, uh, I, I talked to the men, and Brother, Brother Steve uh, Hogan, he said, Pastor, I'll, I'll, I'll leave for work this time. I said, just let me, let me, let me sleep on it. Let me I pass some time in prayer. And, uh, and he called next morning about 7.15, if I remember right. And I said, yes, I think this is what the Lord wants. Now, I felt it already, but you know what? That's a big decision. It's a big decision. And I want to make sure it wasn't an emotional decision and that the Lord was in it. And I think he was. Amen? He was in it. Praise God for that. Young people, if you lack knowledge, get it. Get it. Get it. Get knowledge. Get knowledge. Beautiful story. Alexander Graham Bell was a professor of speech physiology at the School of Oratory of Boston University. In 1875, he took a crude electrical device to Dr. Joseph Henry who was the first secretary of the Smithsonian Institute. He was 28 years old. Dr. Henry, rather than send this 28-year-old away with his foolish ideas, the 80-year-old Dr. Henry listened to Bell, listened to his thoughts, looked at his little machine and said, you know, you have the germ of a great invention. Work at it. And Alexander Graham Bell said, uh, Dr. Henry, I, I've been ridiculed. I've been mocked. I, 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 I've been nearly disheartened. People have been so cruel. The puns of my friends mocking me, making fun of me. And he said, I, I'm not qualified to take this idea any further. I have exhausted everything that I know. I'm a speech therapist. I don't know about electricity. I know it's electricity and I, I, that, that is needed. And I know it can carry the human voice. He said, I know it can, but I don't know anything about it. And he said, I need to give this idea to somebody. Dr. Henry, rather than empathize, oh, yeah, I'm sorry for all you've been through. I'm sorry, all people picking up. He looked at Alexander Graham in his eyes fixed his face on him, and he said, get the knowledge you need. <laughs> so guess what Mr. Graham did? He learned about electricity. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Anybody ever talk on the telephone? Uh, not this telephone, kids. It's the one that used to be plugged into the wall. He just said, get it. And that's what God said in his word. Amen. Verse 3, the foolishness of man perverteth his way, and his heart fretteth against the Lord. The foolishness of man perverteth his way, his own way. And then his reaction, his heart fretteth against the Lord. He gets agitated. He gets toward the Lord. Here's the statement. 
Don't blame God for your own foolishness. Don't blame God for your own foolishness. Think about this. Here's God. We have a whole book that God has given us, commands that God has given us. And let me, let me paraphrase it here. Here's what we God says, don't touch that. We say, why not? He says, trust me, you don't want to touch that. And we say, but it looks nice. It looks really nice. God says, don't touch that. It will bring destruction into your life. We say, why? You don't love me? You don't want me to have it? I want it. So what do we do? We touch it. We hold it. We embrace it. We consume it or whatever else. And just as God says, it brings destruction into our life. So then we look at God and say, why did you allow this destruction in my life? And we fret against the Lord. I thought you were a good God. I thought you loved me. Where are you? Why don't you care? Where are you when I need you? Wham, wham, wham. Call the ambulance. How about this? How about take responsibility for your own foolishness? What a foolish thing to fret against the Lord for our own foolishness. The only one who can help you is God. When you get in a mess, and by the way, everybody in this room has messed up our lives in some de- to some degree. Every one of us. Every one of us. No exceptions. Listen now. Listen. Listen. All of us have done so. So uh, don't listen. If if you do something stupid, if you sin against God, you do something foolish. You know, don't don't blame the Lord. Don't blame God. Run to Him. Amen. That's what his mercy is for. That's what his grace is for. He said, come boldly before the throne that you may, what? Obtain mercy. Mercy is I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm going to give you grace. There's a throne where you can go and find mercy and grace. Every single day is a new, new batch of mercy. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. And so go get some. Now, I want you to consider some things here with me. Um, look at that verse again. Uh, Verse number three says, the foolishness of man. The word, word, word foolishness, I'm pulling this out of the Webster's 1828 dictionary. It means a lack of understanding. You just don't get it, is what it means. It means a lack of good judgment. What were you thinking? That's what it means. And it means absurdity or folly. That is, that's absurd. That's the word foolishness. Then the word perverteth. Now, uh, uh, pervert as a noun means somebody's twisted their mind and whatever. But pervert as a verb, which is what it is here, uh, is, uh, is a, comes to our English word uh, uh, pervert, uh, 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 something's been perverted, comes from a Latin word, uh, uh, perverto, per as a prefix. And it means thoroughly or utterly. And... Um, uh, and then verto means to turn, so to thoroughly or utterly turn. So the word pervert, verb, pervert, not the person that's pervert, but to pervert something means to turn from truth, propriety, or from its purpose, to distort from its true use or end as to pervert reasoning by misdirecting it, to pervert the laws, to pervert justice, Etc. Now consider foolishness to pervert, to, to, to turn away from, and then the way. What does he what does he uh, what does he turn from? Look at verse three again. The foolishness of man perverteth his way. 
Right? You with me? All right? The dictionary says this. The word way is a passage, a road, a course, a direction of motion or travel. For example, we say, which way did he go? Uh, or which way should I go? So that has to do with your direction or where you're headed. Now, obviously, we have a spiritual context here. Listen to me, young people. I'm going somewhere. Don't miss this. He's talking about your way. Your way. Um, your life path, if I could say it this way. So the verse says, the, 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 the foolishness, the, uh, the folly, uh, the lack of understanding, the lack of good judgment is what turns us utterly away from the life path that we should be on. So here's what he's saying. Now, don't miss this. Young people, look. You say, well, it's just a little foolishness. And by your foolishness, you are altering the course of your life. That's the main thing in this verse. Dr. Sam Gipp in his newsletter this month said, girls, don't put pictures of yourself on the internet that someday your 15-year-old daughter will view and say, mom, is that really you? Did you really do that? You know, people, listen. When you start doing, listening, participating in things that you would not want your parents to know about, listen, 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 that you would not want your pastor, your pastor's wife to know about, that you know they would disapprove of, Things that are a departure from the wisdom and examples that you've been given. Listen to me. The Bible says you are altering the course of your life. That phrase preferred his way, his is a pronoun. It's a possessive pronoun. It means it's your own life path that you are changing. God is saying when you by your foolishness alter the course of your life. Listen, when you, by your foolishness, alter the course of your life, own it. Don't fret against the Lord over it. The woods are filled with young and middle-aged adults who in their youth thought themselves wiser than their mom and dad, wiser than their pastor, and now in varying degrees in their life, they patronize, I respect my parents' beliefs. Disagree. I love my parents. I just see things differently. Withstand. I just so know some things now that, frankly, they don't know. Antagonize. It's my life, and they should get off their high horse. Attack. They hurt me by not letting me see the world as it really is. And finally, blame. How much better my life would be if they hadn't treated me like I was a sequestered schoolboy. If they had let me experience life as it really is, I could have been smarter. I could have gotten ahead sooner. But they reared me in an old-fashioned, independent, fundamental Baptist church, and that ruined my life. The woods are full of them. They have blogs. They have websites. They have podcasts. Why don't you own your own foolishness? You're going to spend the rest of your life blaming the people who imparted to you wisdom. You changed the course of your own life, friend. That ain't your mama's fault. That ain't your daddy's fault. It's your youth pastor's fault. 
And that's what some of them think. I know it is. It's Bible. Verse 4. Wealth maketh many friends. But the poor is separated from his neighbor. Wealth maketh many friends. Look at me for just a minute. What kind of friends do you think they are? Fair weather friends. The same kind of friends that the prodigal in Luke 15 had. And when the money ran out, the friends ran out. If somebody wants to be close to you because of what you have or what your name is or whatever, then as soon as that's done, they're gone. But the poor is separated from his, from his neighbor. Here's, here's a statement for us. Treat everyone the same. Treat everyone the same. Treat everyone the same. Don't be so small that you try to get in good with people you think can benefit you somehow. Just be good to everybody. Just be good to everybody. Kids, listen to me. Look at, look at Pastor Fran. I hope there's more to you than just your tennis shoes. I really do. I hope there is. I hope there is. I, I, ho- I hope there's more to you than your book bag. These kids, when I, was, when I was in Bible college, these kids were literally shooting each other in the streets in Chicago over starter jackets. And Air Jordans. They literally murder a kid, take his shoes off, and take his starter jacket from him. Now you can buy starter jackets at Walmart. If they're there anymore. I don't know if they're still there. Verse 5. A false witness shall not be unpunished. And he that speaketh lies shall not escape. By the way, look down verse 9. It's repeated in verse 9. Almost verbatim. A false witness shall not be unpunished, and he that speaketh lies shall perish. Same phrase, same, same verse, two ending phrases. He shall not escape, and, and he shall perish. A false witness, the Bible says, thou uh, shalt not bear false witness. That means to tell a lie that benefits me or mine. That's what we were talking about earlier. Uh, Judas is scared, took a bribe. They found uh, uh, bribe men to get, uh, uh, knock off Naboth and Stephen, get him stoned. And, uh, and, uh, and here it is. Uh, here, here's a comforting statement. Justice is coming. <laughs> Just and right is he. Just and right is he. A God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is he. Deuteronomy 32, 4. Or thereabouts. <laughs> he's, he's just. And you're going to stand before him. Look, you're saved. You're going to stand before him at the judgment of Christ. Not to be judged for your sins, because if you're saved, your sins were judged at Calvary. But of course, he's going to say, what would you do with all that freedom I gave you? Hmm? And if you're lost, you're going to stand at the great white throne judgment. And we're going to watch you be cast in the lake of fire. So justice is coming. A lie may seem to prosper for a time, but the truth will catch up with you. And heavy is the burden of always wondering when your lies will catch you. When I was a teenager, a buddy of mine went to the soul winning meeting. And I was backslid. I, I, I was backslid. And uh, we left and went somewhere we were supposed to go. We didn't go soul winning. Me and my buddy left. 
And we came back. By the time all the soldiers came back, came back, big smile on her face, you know, whatever. And uh, little did I know that I lost my wallet in that venture. You know, those kind people picked up my wallet and put an envelope and sent it back to my house and addressed it to my mother. I don't even remember what other punishment I got, but I remember my mother with that envelope in her hand, pulled my wallet out and weeping. I was like, man, get a board, get a two by four and beat me over the head. Stop this mother, please. It's the most painful thing that happened to me. I don't remember what else. I'm sure I got other punishment. I don't even remember. But I remember that. I remember that. You know, the best thing to happen to kids, if you get caught when you do wrong, some of you get caught every time you do something stupid, that is the mercy of God in your life. Amen. And by the way, you parents ought to pray that. Help them get caught. God, help them get caught. Amen. Verse number six. Many will entreat the favor of the prince, and every man is a friend to him that giveth gifts. Many will entreat the favor of the prince. By the way, let me tell you something. I'll go ahead and say this. I told Mr. Cook this. Miss Pat Hurley's been a, such a faithful. I said, Mr. Cook, I said, I want to honor Miss Hurley, but I want to wait till she is out of office. I want to wait till she's out of office. You understand why I did that? I want our kids to honor her, but not while she's in office where potentially she might whatever be able to do something to benefit us. I didn't want that. I wanted to honor her for who she is. And that's why we did it the way we did it. And boy, her eyes teared up. And she's such a stately lady. 84 years old. She looks like she's 64, 84 years old. Doesn't take any medication. And uh, a little something, I think, for a bone issue in her family. But, but I mean, no, no, no prescriptions. And she was wiping tears away. She looked at me. She said, you didn't tell me you was going to do this. But it was a blessing to to genuinely express our love and appreciation for that, that great lady. Here's the statement. It's good to know who your friends are. Write that down. It's good to know who your friends are. It's good to know who your friends are. Now, of course, it's better to be a friend because the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. But oh, what a blessing when you are a friend and have a friend. What a blessing. Let's tie in verse number seven. We'll call a night here. These are very closely associated, verse six and seven, and this will be our last one. All the brethren of the poor do hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? He pursueth them with words, yet they are wanting, they are lacking. All the brethren of the poor do hate him. The poor guy, his own family's like, ah. His friends, he's got nothing to offer now. He's poor now. He's like, he, this, is, this is the prodigal son of Luke 15. Do you understand this verse? This is the prodigal son. He's, 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 he ain't got nothing to offer now. He's, he's not rich anymore. His money's run out. And they go far from him. And the Bible said, he pursueth them with his words. Hey, guys, wait for me. Come on. Hey, I want to go with you. Yet they are wanting, lacking to him. Here's a, here's a statement for you. Look out for the left behind. Look out for the left behind. Look out for the left behind. And again, this goes uh, to what we've said. And 
young people and all of us, be good to everybody. Treat everybody the same. Look out for the left behind. Now listen, when I say left behind, let me, let me clarify. When I say left behind, remember, I'm not talking about you pitiful, miserable victims of every circumstance in life. Nothing in life is fair to you. Everybody hates you. The whole world's out to get you. I'm not talking about you. I'm not encouraging others to coddle you because you've been coddled too much already. You're a spoiled brat. You folks that are your eternal victims. I'm not talking about you. I'm not talking about people who says, you know, nobody loves me, nobody cares about me. I'm going to go eat worms. I'm not talking to you. So I'm not championing your cause right now, just so you know. But if there really is somebody left behind, somebody that's not seeking a pity party, they're just awkward. Or they're poor. You, listen, young people, listen to me. You are a very, very small person if you mock someone for their clothing. For a piece of cloth. As though a piece of cloth speaks something about you more than what's on the inside. Amen? By the way, mamas, don't coddle that whiner. And a few of you daddies. But the awkward kids, the misfits, the shy, the unpopular, the poor kids, look out for them. Let me give you a dose of truth. Some of you think you have friends. But what you really have is puppets you try to control by your rotten attitude. You snicker together. You roll your eyes at others. You mock. You talk behind people's back. You don't have friends. You have minions. Little evil people you control with your own bad attitude. But you could have friends. You know how? Bust up your clique of bad attitudes and go look for the left behind. And treat them with kindness like you treat everybody else. All right. Thank you for being here on Wednesday night. Amen. Got a few folks, I think, maybe here for the first time on Wednesday night. And pastor's super encouraged about that. Thank you. God bless you. Oh, we got a cool, we got new members to vote in, and that's it.